welcome back to the Weighing In Podcast presented by Track Wrestling. I'm your host, Alex Steen. This is episode 107 on the line, as always, David Mirakatani. David, how are things? Good, man. Happy Thanksgiving, Alex. Yeah, to you as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool time of the year. I want to say, you know, thank you. We're thankful for all the people that listen to us. And uh, I think I speak for both of us when I say, you know, we're thankful for Track Wrestling for giving us this platform to talk about you know, something that we love, wrestling, and trying to sound really smart about it when we do it. <laughs> we do our best with that, and absolutely, that's, it's great, this era of wrestling fandom, you know, I mean, I'm, I've been around it for a long time, and so have you, and it, it's come a long way. We get to see so much more, we have so much more at our fingertips than we used to, and track's a big part of that, so shout out to them and everybody out there working hard. Most definitely, man, for sure. So, the big news this week was the under 23 world championships. We briefly hit on it last week with Greco starting off. They had a rough tournament. Uh, women's freestyle followed up with Alexandria Glade and Karina Bullock stealing bronze medals. Um, Alex Glade really stole it. I don't know if you saw that match. She was down five. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's down five zero late. Got a little duck on the edge for a takedown to go 5-2, and then Blast doubled for four to steal it at the very end. It was sweet. Um, shout out to her. I interviewed her a couple years back after uh, one of the team trials, and she's just – she's an infectious personality. You know, she's just one of those people you like to be around. So, great job by her. Uh, and then the men's – You showed why you don't quit, right? You know, like, when you don't quit when you're losing it, and also why you don't quit when you're winning. Absolutely. You know, we got to wrestle through all the situations and wrestle through that last second because that girl just, if she beat, just, she just stopped wrestling. That's all there is to it. Yeah, I mean, the restart was less than 10 seconds to go. So, I mean, you really, especially up three on that, you can pretty much just belly out and you're probably going to win. Uh, but yeah, glad I didn't quit and she got it done. So um, <laughs> that's, that's one of those things you're not going to see very often. So very cool. Yeah. Uh, the men's freestyle team put three in the finals. Sean Foz, Colin Moore, and Yusef Amida um, all ended up with silver medals. Colin Moore lost to the same guy he lost to at Junior Worlds. Um, and Sean Foz continues that run that we keep hitting on of guys that didn't win the trials but did good once they got there. So showing our depth once again. Yeah, he wrestled really well. I, I think it also kind of makes you look at – he's going to be a gigantic 2,500 if he can make it, right? Yeah, because he was wrestling 61 kilos, which is basically 133. The scary thing about basically is it's actually a pound over. Right. Because <laughs> so, how many times have we told a coach, well, we're basically on weight? <laughs> I'm, you know, I've been on both sides of it. Yeah, coach, I'm basically on weight. That's usually two or three over. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine how he's going to make 25 again, but he's going to, and that's going to be interesting to watch. They've got a couple other guys there that can kind of hold his place in the lineup, so I'm sure we won't see him, you know, a ton. He won't weigh in too much, I bet. But, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to see. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's That was a really interesting competition. Under 23s, you know, it's a recent addition. Last year was the first year, and it seems like – different countries are starting to take it a little more seriously. It looked like a little more senior level type of competition this year. Guys that we've guys and girls that we've seen win, you know, senior world medals and do well on the senior level. And then we're sending mostly college kids, which obviously 23, you have to be kind of careful with the way with the timing, but uh, it was an interesting mix of competitors for sure. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I think, too, the timing of the season, right? Like, you know, we had some hammers over there, but it's, it's you know, kids are on scholarship at schools, and those schools, you know, they all want these guys to do well. It certainly helps them with recruiting and everything else. But, like, you know, for example, like Arizona State, you know, Arizona State, Ohio State could have been a different dual meet result. I mean, Ohio State won anyway, but, you know, they probably if Tanner Hall is not registering, Arizona State wins that duel. And then, you know, Colin Moore not being there, you know, makes a difference in, in your in your dual meet season. So it's uh it's interesting to see how 
schools are trying to juggle that stuff. But it's going to be an issue because the best kids want to wrestle more and more, you know, at that level. You know, you're not going to get kids that are going to win nationals that have no desire to wrestle, you know, after college for the most part. Right. And it's interesting. I mean, you talk about that. Everybody that is going to try to win a national title this year in NCAA wrestling is already, you know, competing in November. But these guys have to be the top of their game in November, which isn't ideal for any training cycle. And, of course, they have to train more. I mean, we see it with uh, Jacob Warner at Iowa hasn't competed yet, and he wrestled in the junior worlds, which were in September. So everybody's kind of working around that issue. And this, you know, this kind of competition isn't going away. And like, like you said, the top guys are going to want to keep doing it. So uh, it's something they'll figure out um, as under 23s gets a little more established. And uh, it's a good problem to have because it means you have really good wrestlers, but uh, everybody's going to have to deal with it, I think. Right. Uh, One other piece of news before we get to the rankings, uh, Gavin Teasdale announced today that he is leaving Penn State for the semester and plans to return in January. Um, Obviously, never good when you've got a recruit leaving a school, um, but plans to return is a good thing. Um, It doesn't really hurt Penn State in the short term other than it just gives them one fewer option at 125. Um, But Teasdale was very likely to redshirt this year if he couldn't beat out Teske anyway. Um, So... That's interesting news. Uh, David, do you have anything to add on that? Well, I, I think that their original plan when they recruited them both was to wrestle Gavin this year and redshirt Teske. I think they, you know, Gavin was probably considered to be the bigger prospect, and they're both obviously really good. I think Penn State's in an interesting position, right? Because, and you know, you still have to get back to me on this bet on whether or not you're going to take the top you pick the field versus the top six from Penn State, but I certainly think the top eight from Penn State are good enough to win it. And so you kind of wonder, like, do they need do they need a twenty five hundred to score a point for them at nationals? Yeah, and you know, I mean, they haven't had a hundred twenty five pounder score a point at nationals the last two years because you know you had uh, didn't qualify last year, and then Suriano sat the year before. So obviously, it's not something they need. I I completely agree with you on they have enough in their lineup. They don't need either one of those guys to come out of red shirt. Um, I think we'll see one. Um, you know, Devin Schnupp is a fighter, but didn't place at the Keystone Classic this weekend. So, you know, it's it's a weird situation to be in because you can kind of punt at that weight and be fine, but that's a strange thing to do. I think if you had both Teasdale and Teske, I think you're right in what their plan was. It seems like Teasdale and Teske are, have kind of converged over the last year, year and a half. To where it was going to be close um, as to who was the better one. Teasdale used to be, I think, head and shoulders above as far as how he was considered, and they kind of came together a little bit, seems like. Um, but yeah, I think you're right that the original plan was probably Teasdale for a year because they figured he'd outgrow it. Um, so I don't think Teske this year is necessarily a bad thing, especially if Teasdale comes back and is okay after that. And, you know, he could come back in January and still wrestle. That's still an option. Um, so we'll see what. Well, see, that's an interesting thing, right? Because, like, in junior college, you have to have 12 hours of 1.75. But all you only have to take your best 12 hours, okay? So, like, if you have 12 hours of C and six hours of F, your best 12 hours are a 2.0, you're eligible. In uh, Division One, you have to pass six hours your first semester. And you have to average a 2.0. So what's interesting is if he had like six hours of A and six hours of F, he would actually be eligible in Division One and ineligible in junior college. So I don't know how he's going to be eligible. If he's withdrawing from classes now, you know, three weeks before finals, I don't, I don't know how he'd be eligible. I mean, I guess there's a way. Yeah. We could take winter, winter term classes, but or maybe he took summer school classes, but – but in, in D1, all your grades count, so it's interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I hadn't really thought about the academic side, but, I mean, when I, when he first announced he was withdrawing from, you know, for this semester, that did cross my mind is what are you going to do about all your classes, but I don't have enough information on that to know. You, you do bring up a good point that he might not be eligible to compete, um, just depending on how things go, so. 
We'll, have well to I think that it would, it's more likely to assume that he is not eligible. I mean, when you withdraw three weeks before finals, <laughs> you're either a fabulous student and, to, you know, got everything done ahead of time or, you know, you withdraw. I mean, you know, like, you know, and it's, the other thing is we're using the kid's Twitter. So he's saying he's withdrawing. He may not technically have withdrawn. Like, I mean, there's another example. Like, if you're flunking a class, and you, you see you're only enrolled in 12 hours, and you're flunking it, but you haven't flunked it by the time nationals happens, you have to stay in that class. If you withdraw from it the day before nationals, and you go below full-time, now you're part-time and you're ineligible. Right. So there's a lot of semantics in this. Um, you know, we obviously, none of us, you know, have access to his transcripts and his activity, but I'm just saying the, the general rule is if you withdraw, you're not eligible. Yeah. So far past. You know, they're gonna keep, <laughs> I think that's the premise you kind of work off of, and then say, okay, so what do they what do they do with Tusky? They may not need him, but what do they say, right? Yeah, and of course, there's you know, like you said, we're going off a statement on Twitter that he plans to return, but who knows? I mean, anytime you've got somebody pulling out of school. You just don't know what the future holds, so we'll wait and see on that. Um, like I said, they've got Tes- Tesky's a pretty good backup plan if that's what he ends up being, you know, honestly. So yeah, him, him and Gafella are, are nice problems to have, right? Nice first world problems. Absolutely, right. we'll get to that. Um, all right, so we'll we'll go right into the rankings from that. Um, David, you got something for us? Yeah, this is the read that Andy Hamilton used to do, so thank you for sticking me with this. But the podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats. From Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system, to Resolite's exclusive DigiPrint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling needs. needs. Resolite, the Mac company. And I have to give a shout-out to Resolite. Paul Gilbert's the president there. And this summer, one of the guys that I was staying with at the Olympic Training Center camp had a mad issue, was having trouble with some service with his local guy, and, you know, didn't know what to do. I called Paul Gilbert, and he personally got on the phone with that coach 45 minutes later and solved the problem. And you don't see that at a lot. I mean, this is the president of the company. And apologize that it took 45 minutes to get back to me. So, Shout out to Resolite, shout out to Paul, and uh, they're great people. So, Yep, Resolite is great. Um, if you guys haven't seen Wyoming's wrestling mat, it's very cool. It's done by Resolite. And right in front of the bench where the visitors sit, it has the altitude and how – I, I want to say it's how is your wind, how is your oxygen, something to that effect. So right in front of the bench. It's fantastic. It's like the pink visitor's locker room. I love it. Absolutely. I was watching um, them against Nebraska this weekend, and I noticed that. I, I think they might have had that mat last year, but I just noticed it this weekend. So very cool. Um, good stuff from Res Light and from Wyoming, as usual. Yeah, that is salty. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that segues right into the 125-pound Um Biggest upset that I saw was Cole Werner of Wyoming over Zeke Moisey, 5-2. to uh, What did you see, David? Yeah, there wasn't a lot, right? Like, I mean, that was certainly a big match. It feels like Moisey's not healthy or something, right? Like, he just hasn't been wrestling, you know, like himself. And, you know, really, there wasn't a lot of movement in the top 16. Colby Smith comes into the rankings from Missouri at 18 after beating Nordstrom. Uh, You know, he slots right in above him. Devin Schroeder moves up in the rankings after having beat Townsell. And, you know, that's... Yeah, Michael McGee dropped from 15 to out because he lost to Shakur Laney, and Shakur Laney lost to Corbin Mink, and Corbin Mink isn't even in the rankings. So um, there's some good guys on the on the periphery waiting there, but Colby Smith is another kid who is a big 25 hunter and is going to be a handful. And, you know, I saw the Mizzou coaches this weekend. He has to make weight a couple times. He's going to be on that pause plan. He's gonna, Mizzou is going to Vegas for CKLV, and then I think they'll probably, you know, they're not. he's not going to make weight probably every week after that because you can try to get him a bunch of matches for those weigh-ins and get his RPI and all that other stuff up. But he's going to be a handful there. So we dropped uh, Moisey to nine, and, 
you know, he, he's again, and he's he's just not wrestling well, so we'll kind of have to see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, he he's a really hard one to figure because obviously he had that big run, finished second in the country, had some injuries. Even last year before he All-American, it wasn't – he didn't look like a world beater, and it was kind of hard to figure him out. He'd look good, then he'd take a weird loss. And so I don't know what he's going to be. Um, I don't think anybody does. He could very well be a – three-time All-American, or he could, you know, be round a 12, round a 16 type, and I don't think, I don't think anybody knows that yet, so it'll be interesting to follow him. I, I was surprised that Colby Smith weighed in this weekend again, because, um, you know, I think we were both surprised when he made 125 early in the year, and then he's still going, but, you know, good for him. I'm sure they have a plan, so that'll be interesting. He have a plan. He, I talked to him, yeah. He's a monster. <laughs> their plan involves an unhappy Thanksgiving for Colby Smith. <laughs> yeah, that's always tough when you're making a tough cut. Uh, yeah, that's for sure. All right, moving up to 133. Yeah, I had one note at 125, and I have four at 133. And this is just, it, it's that time of year. Uh, a lot of things going on. Um, I, I think, I mean, obviously the big disappointing note was that Seth Gross is injured, um, sat out the match against Dayton Fix. Uh, this weekend, which everybody was pretty excited to see. So that was unfortunate. Um, Fix goes up against Ethan Lezak the next day, beats him six to one. Uh, that was an interesting match for a lot of reasons. Uh, Fix took neutral in the second period, which was surprising to many of us that have followed the Cowboys over the years. And then Lezak yeah. top in the third and Fix reversed him after Lezak went for his turn. So a lot to unpack there. What'd you make of it? Well, first of all, I think people need to leave Seth Gross alone on Twitter and everything else. And he's the guy that moved up to Russell Meredith, which was really the inspiration for, um, you know, the Burroughs matches, So, which means so. So I think Seth Gross is really the better for the doubt. I don't think he's running from David Fix. And, you know, the interesting thing about the Fix match, first of all, I would have lost a lot of money that he was pick neutral. I thought he would pick down. I also thought it was interesting that Lezak didn't pick top first. Right. Like when they're he's less tired and less sweaty, you know, and that when the margin of was a lot closer, it was only two to one at that point. And I also think it's interesting that they didn't have video replay because when Fix got the reversal, it could have been an earfall. I mean, it, he was close right. to being an earfall. And I think if you're in Minnesota, you challenge that. And either way, it takes two or three minutes. And if, if you get that call, instead of it being 6-1, it's 4-3. And now Lezak's rested and, you know, they're, you know, they're sort of dry. So, I mean, this is definitely, you know, it's definitely better. But it is, it, it, it's, it's interesting. Fix Russell's a really high pace. I still... I'm interested to see how he's going to do getting the legs on taller guys. But, you know, his snaps are so good and his position so good. Uh, you know, but that's a healthy respect John Smith has for even Lezak that he put, you know, that he didn't put Dayton down because that's almost what they always do. Yeah, I, I couldn't think of a, a situation like that where no Oklahoma State guy didn't go down. Um, yeah, I was baffled by the uh, – lack of video replay. I know Oklahoma State lost a team point basically because they went to challenge and they didn't have a brick there to challenge. Um, so that was really surprising to me. I don't, I mean, obviously there was video at the event, so I'm very surprised by that. Um, you know, that's not a, not a small college that didn't, that wasn't set up for it. You know, that's, that's Minnesota. How did that happen? I'm confused by that. Um, but other than that, yeah, I think you covered it all. Um, Fix did a good job of pressing the pace. Lezak did a good job of executing a game plan, um, but, yeah, didn't get the turn, and he needed one. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Lezak didn't look like he had a lot left in the tank, but, you know, he looked like that last year a lot in the regular season and was fine come nationals. So he's earned the benefit of the doubt there too, I think. Um, yeah. Moving on to another Nebraska-Wyoming match. Uh, Tucker, and I'm going to try this name, Shomling. I think is the last name uh, beat Montori bridges, 13 to 11. That was an incredible match. If you haven't seen it, check that one out. Um, just a battle from the opening whistle. I think it was eight to six 
in the first period and it was, you know, not sloppy wrestling. They were just going after each other. And then Bridges wore out a little bit. Shamling got a late takedown in the second period that really made him believe. You could see it in his face um, as they went to the break. I'm going to go down and tie this match, and then I'm going to win. Bridges did get the first takedown in the third period, but he was running out of gas, and as he was trying to kill the clock, dove in on a shot, which he had done earlier in the match the same way. Shamling stretched him out and scored the winning takedown. Uh, wrote him out. So it was a really interesting match. I don't know what it means. What do you think, David? Bridges is kind of having a rough season, right? Like one of the things we do on our rankings is we keep track of where a guy started. And he started at seven, dropped to eight, dropped to 14. Now he's dropped to 21. You know, and that may be too far. I don't know. But, you know, I don't think he's, if he, if he had not been an All-American leader before, he probably wouldn't be in the top 25. So, you know, because your boy from Nebraska, Schmalling, I ever say his name isn't in the top 25. Right. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a conundrum, like you're saying. There, it's tough. I mean, this is a tough weight. You know, RBY moved up. We moved Austin Gomez in. So, I mean, those kids, you know, are coming along nicely. And then you know you also have Notary Cam Sakura beat Nickel really you know really well, so Nikki Phillippe moves into the rankings, and then we moved Darujao in where Chaz Tucker was because he beat him too. So this weight's kind of sort of coming together the way we think it's going to, right? Yeah, I mean we we knew it was going to be a really tough weight. Um, we'll see if Bridges can figure it out. He looked like he was maybe not quite in shape yet. Um, which will get remedied. And of course, that's going to punish you even worse at altitude, um, even though he should be used to it. But uh, yeah, it's it's coming. Uh, most of the guys, it, we're still interesting to see who wins the spot at Cornell. I mean, you mentioned Vito. They bumped Chaz Tucker up to 141 because uh, Yanni's not back yet. Uh, but, you know, that's still going to be a battle. And there's, there's a few of those out there. Um, interesting one at Navy now because Casey Cobb, who I don't think anybody would, had on their, their radar, uh, beat Noah Gonzer and Anthony Tutolo to win the Navy Classic. He all of a sudden looks pretty solid. Um, so, you know, not not a top 10 guy right now, but his losses on the season are Vito and Pletcher. So uh, had, off to a very good start. And you know, he didn't even wrestle last year, at least no competitive matches. So. Uh, he's a sophomore at Navy. Be interesting to see how he does. Yep, and also Noah, uh, Cameron Kelly and Mario Guillen from Ohio, that's been a tough one to figure out where to rank. Guillen's results are enough to get him in the top 25, so we have him ranked, but I don't even know for sure if he's the starter. <laughs> so it'll be kind of interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, I know there's another Navy starter, I think is Tribus, at least it was. We'll see if he can hold him off. Yep. For sure. Moving up to 141, we'll stay at the Navy Classic. Nick Gill beats Darian Perry 7-6 in the finals there. Um, that's one of those results because of Perry's run last year at the end. Um, it's an interesting result, but really for the bulk of last year, I think Gill was ranked ahead of Perry. So uh, more of the same there. Um, Vince Turk over Ian Parker 6-5 to win the Lindenwood tournament after Parker had beaten Carter Happel 10-3 in the semis. So uh, good depth for the Hawkeyes at 141 with Murin manning the spot. Um, and then Yaya Thomas over Mitch Moore, 2-1 to one in the battle of young young prospects that are wrestling this year. So uh, there's another one out there. I'll let you get to it. Um, what did you make of 141, David? Well, those are, you know, I saw the Tarek Parker match and the Parker Happel match because I was in my backyard. Um you're right, I was their third string guy could probably qualify for national, so that's a good problem to have. You know, and you've talked to me a little bit about Matt Finley, you know, gave me some of his background last year, but he just keeps winning. He beat Tristan Moran. And then, you know, probably the most interesting match of the weekend, Mitch McKee, Cade Brock. And what we did there was Cade Brock had been ranked fifth and Mitch McKee was ranked eighth. So we just moved Mitch McKee above Brock. It kind of worked out because he was around a twelve guy anyway. Uh, so Mitch McKee jumps up, and if we get into the team scores, Minnesota added a few points this week based on what happened at 141 and 285. But Mitch McKee watch, and Brock watching those guys wrestle, I think, 
like if people were not wrestling fans after watching those guys wrestle, I mean, it was only six to three, but it could have been like 16 to three, the way those guys, you know, scrap it out. Yeah. And those two have a lot of history. Um, McKee actually used to beat Cade Brock quite uh, on a regular basis. Uh, so it was kind of surprising that he'd never beaten him in NCAA competition. So to finally get the win um, had to be gratifying for him. And he looks good at 141. And you're, and you're right. It was a wildly entertaining match. I uh, was perusing some message boards earlier, and somebody said that Cade Brock wrestles like he was coached by YouTube highlights. And I think that's a perfect description because, my goodness, he will go for anything at any time. <laughs> and McKee is his yeah. perfect foil because he will – you know, he'll go right with him and he'll scramble with him and he'll wrestle with him. So it's great to watch those guys. You know, they did, they did the same thing at 133. So uh, just more of the same and I'll watch them anytime. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think he's going to be, you know, that, that he's obviously legit. You know, he did a better job of getting off on bottom. His little elbow shrug pass buys are just, they're just, they're, they're stupid good, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, he, he's, he's the truth, you know? So those guys wrestle, you know, and you pointed out they have a lot of history, but it feels like Cade's always won in folk style and he's always won in freestyle. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that had been so, much been it. I, I mean, I think it says more about McKee than anything. I don't think too many people are worried about Cade Brock. Um, but, you know, McKee's been one of those guys that we kind of, we're kind of waiting for him to be, you know, All-American, top four, top five, top six type of guy. And this may be the year that he finally turns that corner. Definitely a big win for him. Yeah. And, you know, Minnesota has a bunch of those guys who are around the round of 12. So, I mean, if he's a guy that can punch through, that's, you know, even if it's eight, that's significantly more points. Right. Moving up to 149 pounds. Um, Saturday was a rough day for Oklahoma State as Bulu Wallen was injured um, against South Dakota State. He had fallen behind Henry Pohlmeyer in the first period. Uh, looked to be a very painful injury. Um, looked to be an arm, wrist, arm, shoulder type injury. Um, so we'll see about that. He didn't wrestle on Sunday against Minnesota. Kate Feller, who was ostensibly the backup at 141, bumps up to 149 and beats Tommy Thorne. Um, you know, Gefeller is a very talented wrestler. It's a good backup to have if Luol misses a bunch of time. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but keep watching on that. Uh, let's see. Other, the other most interesting thing to me was the Brady Berge, Jared Verclair, and de facto wrestle-off at the Keystone Classic. Um, Berge won 3-2, to two, which doesn't sound very exciting, but that it was another match that had a lot of action in it, especially late. Uh, Berge got the win, but he has a knee that kind of flares up from time to time. He tweaked it in that semifinal, so he didn't wrestle Mitch Feinsilver in the finals. Uh, would have been interested to see that match because I, I don't know where Berge and Verclear and stack up right now, and Feinsilver's one of those guys, uh, rock solid, uh, kind of a guy that you'd like to measure yourself against. So uh, would have liked to see that match, but didn't get to. Uh, what else did you see, David? Well, yeah, the, the Penn State conundrum is interesting for sure. Um, I've talked to some people, had nothing definitive, but Boo's had shoulder trouble before. So it's, you know, thoughts and prayers to Boo. He wrestled in my event. I really love him and his family. They're just great people. So uh, I hope he's able to bounce back and, you know, make a full recovery. Your point about fine silver, I mean, we have him ranked ninth. He was around a 12 guy. That's a really good barometer on where you are. The other things that sort of drove the rankings this week were Blee's losing to Shane Oster for Northwestern, and probably the biggest one was Austin O'Connor uh, jumping up and beating uh, Josh Maruka. So, you know, O'Connor was 21 and Maruka was 13, and now O'Connor's 15 and Maruka's 16. So, uh, again, I mean, you know, we talk about these down there between 9 and 25, the difference is really one point. But it will matter a lot more this year since they're, you know, we didn't, probably the best way to explain this is they're literally seeding all 32 guys in the 33rd, just where the 33rd guy draws in. Right. So, you know, I mean, I think it was maybe poorly explained earlier. 
not by us, but by other people, just like, hey, well, they're doing this in the last five. It's just seed all 32, and then they're drawing 33 in to 29th and 32. Deegan got his uh, – he won the rematch against Mahler. I think Mizzou's got – Mizzou pulled Jack Hughes out of red chart at 57, and I think the thing is that Jack Hughes is really good and Mahler's really good, and they got to get one of those kids in this year and then redshirt him, and the other one's going to probably have to go up next year to 57. Even I think Mahler will go 57 next year, even though he's a 49, and because Leith is too short. And then, you know, then probably they'll try to lift one of them and get them up to 65 after Connor Flynn's gone. But those two kids from Mizzou, <coughs> excuse me, they are good. And, I mean, and Brock Mahler, even though he lost his time, he's he's going to be special. He's a really good wrestler. Yeah, I mean, losing to Deegan is no slouch and obviously splitting early in the year. It's amazing. Um, you know, you obviously have noticed this because you do the rankings. And when I used to do the rankings, it's amazing how many times in November guys wrestle two or three times and split um it happens a lot uh, especially early in the year for whatever reason so um you know that other match was two weeks ago and this time it was reversed so you know guys are close when they start doing that uh, other thing of note that you know you talked about the o'connor maruka match north carolina beat arizona state so big win for coleman scott and his team uh, i think we've all seen the tar heels coming for a while and they just keep getting better it seems like yeah, they're but it's so weird though, right? Like, then they're gonna they beat them in a duel, but their whole team may not score as many points as the Heat at Nationals, right? Yeah, I mean it's different. It's a different scoring mechanism, so yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, it's just but I mean it's it's definitely progress because I mean that's the formula, right? When you go from not being very good to good, you try to get good in duels first because it's a lot easier to get a bunch of good guys than to get a bunch of great guys. And you need great guys to score points at the tournament. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's kind of a stages of development thing. You know, Austin O'Connor is a big-time recruit. Now you have him. If he goes out and he starts winning, maybe you can build on that. You know, they've had guys there for a while, but they, they're having success in the recruiting game, and now we're starting to see it pay dividends on the mat. So very cool for them. Yeah. Moving up to 157 pounds. Um, a link to the Tar Heels, Quincy Monday, brother of Kennedy Monday, who wrestles for the Tar Heels. Quincy is at Princeton. Uh, had a very interesting weekend. He uh, lost to Caleb Young in what was a very good match, good battle. Took him down a couple of times, but ultimately lost. And then he bit, beat Xander Wick of Wisconsin. Uh, Monday is very good on his feet. Um, Matt Wrestling might need a little work still. Uh, happens a lot to freshmen, but he's very good on his feet. Uh, other note I have here is Don Mandarino, who I will admit I don't know much about, beat Paul Fox, All-American from Stanford. They're both from Stanford. He beat him 8-5 to five in the Roadrunner Open Finals, so that's interesting. That's a name to, to know down the road. I don't know if he'll get to take Paul Fox's spot, but interesting note there. Uh, what do you make of it, David? I'm done dealing with these wrestle-offs, like these guys. Like, I'm, I'm done with it. I thought all along they shouldn't affect rankings. I think that's just what I'm going to do from now on because, you know, if everybody knows the other guy's, you know, tendencies and their pet moves and everything else, I feel like Quincy Monday, I actually thought he wrestled well enough to win Caleb, win the match with Caleb Young. He just, he really just shot himself out of the match. He took all the shots. And I think when he gets a little more seasoning and realizes, hey, this other guy can't get to my legs. I can take my time. He's going to win that match. He may wrestle his, his brother this year. They're at the same weight, which would be interesting. I think they duel each other. And I also, you know, I think Quincy's going to be a lot like ranking Kennedy, where he's going to have good wins and then some puzzling losses. And then the other thing at that weight was uh, Luke Weiland lost to Danny Reed from Columbia. So that kind of changed. That was probably the biggest significant ranking change. So, you know, Weiland had to drop and Weiland had beaten Larry earlier in the year. So, they they both had to drop. Yeah, that Black Knight Invitational where that match happened, um, I was looking at that late, uh, just kind of checking out the results. And you're lucky there weren't more ranked guys at that because I think seven or eight of the number one seeds lost before the finals. It was insane. So <laughs> it was kind of madness up there. Yeah, what I'm lucky is there's six meets this weekend and five of them are duels. <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. You take a week off almost. 
So who knows? <laughs> yeah, I get a week. I, I appreciate it. Because then it's CKLV weekend, which that Sunday is a nightmare. Yeah. That's one of the hardest things because uh, there will be so many results. There will be conflicting results where guys, you know, beat somebody good on the front and then lose to somebody they shouldn't on the back. And then you don't have the long track record that you have near the end of the year to make the adjustments. Those are always hard. That's a tough weekend. Well, I'm going to check the weather forecast in Tulsa, and I hope it's like raining in 15 so that when I call you, you can't say you're on the golf course <laughs> when I need help. So. <laughs> you know, man, I got a stimulator. I'm always on the golf course. <laughs> do you really? I do. Oh, my God. Yeah, you should come you gotta let me. When I come down for Perry, you got to let me on that thing and try it. That'd be awesome. We, we can play Pebble Beach. And we'll, we'll get we'll get right to it. I've actually played Pebble Beach. Oh, well. We'll, we'll yeah. start stacks up. It was, a long time, it was a long time ago. But, yeah, I can tell you some Pebble Beach stories another time. But that would be super fun. So we'll have to do that. Sounds good. Moving up to 165, you know, I have all kinds of uh, notes about Nelson Brands and what's going on with him. So I'm going to start with him. Uh, he beat Danny Bronigal, who beat him at Fargo. So that was a good win for him. And then he beat Joey Gunther, who obviously was at Iowa, transferred to Illinois. He beat them both three to one to win the Lindenwood title. And if you, if anybody was following Nelson Brands during his high school career, he was setting all kinds of records for takedown. You know, the guy, I mean, he's a brand, so you kind of expect that, but he's got that sort of motor. So to see him win three to one was really interesting. I, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, on the one hand, it's good that he can win that sort of match because guys are going to try to slow him down. Uh, guys are going to try to get him out of his comfort zone, which is wrestling at high pace. But at the same time, that's really strange. You know, I haven't seen the matches, so I can't say if it was one of those cases where they scrambled a bunch and just didn't score points or what the deal was. But to see him win three to one, that was very surprising to do it two matches in a row was even more so. Uh, what'd you make of it, David? Well, Bronicles, a guy, both the Bronicles are real high paced guys too. So there's a lot of scrambling. I mean, they're those, both the Bronicles and brands are kind of cut from the same cloth, sort of hard nose, just going to come forward. And, you know, I think these guys will have a rivalry for a lot of years. I mean, it, it kind of screwed up the rankings though, because Connor Flynn beat Makai Lewis. Connor Flynn has lost to Joey Gunther. And then Joey Gunther lost to Nelson Brands. So by that, if, if Nelson Brands were rank, were wrestling and eligible, or not that he's ineligible, if he wasn't redshirting, it would you would go Brands, Gunther, uh, Flynn, Lewis. But if you had to just kind of guess on body of work, you'd go Lewis, Flynn, Gunther, Brands, like literally the opposite order. <laughs> so it really – it was probably the one I struggled with the most. I dropped – Makai Lewis from nine down to 13 and Gunther and Gunther lost and moved from 17 to 11 because he gets to ride the coattails of Connor Flynn to beat Lewis. Right. I don't know how else to do it. I mean, I, you could just ignore one of those. I mean, like, I don't think you can ignore a guy beating an under 20, you know, an under 20 world champion who we're super high on. I think we both think Makai Lewis, I mean, I have to go back and look at her picks, but I think we both picked him as a guy that we thought with All-American this year. Definitely. Yeah, I thought that was a huge win for Connor Flynn. Uh, you know, Flynn's been one of those guys that you look at and you see his results. And, you know, close losses aren't something you can rank on. And a lot of times they don't mean anything because guys, there are guys out there that lose close to good wrestlers and never get over the hump. But Flynn had enough good wins that you kind of looked at him and thought, he's not far away. But you still, I did not see that coming. I didn't expect him to be able to really compete with Mikhail Lewis, much less beat him. Uh, so that was really surprising. We'll see um, how it goes from here. You know, there are results in November every year that when you look at him in March, you wonder how that ever happened. So we'll see if Flynn makes the leap this year and that's just kind of his coming out party or if Lewis goes the other direction. We'll see. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's – screwed up the rankings and they're always messed up this time of year. So what are you going to do? But you know, Nelson brands may turn out to be really good. And it's even really scary if he's actually a 157 pounder as some 
have said. So we'll see how that goes. Um, well, it feels like he's going to have to be a 157 pounder to get into the lineup next year, right? Yeah, I mean, Marinelli doesn't look like he's going anywhere. So um, yeah. I'd expect Brands to cut down. Um, yeah. Other interesting results this weekend, Branson Ashworth, another one of those Wyoming-Nebraska matches. Uh, Ashworth beat Isaiah White 3 to nothing, rode him the entire third period. Uh, you know, Isaiah White, again, a close nip-and-tuck match, and this time he can't get the takedown, so he ends up losing. Uh, what do you make of that one, David? He's just a high-ceiling guy. You know, he just – he almost reminds me a little like Joe Williams, like a guy that if if he went hard and tried to score points the whole time, you know, probably would not lose very many matches. But, you know, we've seen guys that wrestle like this. We've seen guys that fight like this. And sometimes they get away with it and sometimes they don't. Uh, but he's a guy that I don't really care where he's seated in the in the bracket. Like he may end up like right now we have him 15th. And I don't think Evan Wick would want to draw him in the second round of nationals. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think Josh Shields would want him in the quarters, which is, you know, what it would be now. Like you don't look at that and go, Oh, that's a good draw. Right. You know, like, you know, like this is awful. You know, like you'd rather wrestle, you know, probably Jarrell from Drexel who's ranked above him, you know, or probably like, I think Isaiah White's ceiling is higher than Joey Gunther's and Gunther's ranked ahead of him, you know? So it's just, you know, but Nebraska kind of did this last year, right? Like they struggled. It was more in the middle of the year and then they got it together at the end. So, you know, I, you kind of maybe you don't dismiss it, but you just kind of go, okay, maybe this is just is what it is. Right. Right. And for a team that's struggling, cause they were already kind of throwing out some weird results to go on the road to Wyoming to that 7,000 foot altitude in November when some guys are, struggling with their uh, conditioning anyway to get into shape, that's a tough ask. So you're always going to get some weird results there. Um, obviously, some guys do better than others. I mean, we, we talked about Shamlin. He looked like he had no ill effects and, and you know, had a few of those. But it's it's one of those things. I wouldn't worry about Isaiah White. I think you're right. Um, you know, it doesn't matter who he's wrestling. If he's wrestling anybody in the top 20, he could win or he could lose. And it's going to be a close match, and it's probably going to be decided by one or two sequences. Um, and that's who he is right now. But he absolutely could end up on the, you know, on the All-American podium, and I don't think anybody would be surprised. So he takes his loss and goes down, and we'll see where he ends up. But uh, And there's five guys in the top 11 from the Big Ten that he'll, you know, he should hit most of those guys second semester or at Vegas. So, you know, it feels like or Midlands. So, I mean, he's going to get a chance to – you know, I mean, he could he could wrestle Marinelli in Midlands. You know, like he can wrestle Wick in Midlands. You know, just he's gonna have plenty of time to work his way back. He's just he's a scary dude. You know, he's not a good draw. I'll just say that. <laughs> no, I'm with you on that one. Let's move up to 174. Um, <laughs> this one, I, I don't think enough is being made about Ryan Christensen pinning Mike Labriola with one second left on the clock. Uh, Labriola had been in the lead till he gave up the takedown that led to the fall and the fall eventually gave Wisconsin the dual win uh, over Nebraska that, that was a wild sequence um, Wisconsin celebrating got dinged a team point because one of their coaches ended up on the mat uh, it was just a wild wild scene uh, what do you make of it David First of all, it's shocking that Bono or Reader would be emotional after a situation like that. <laughs> like those are two of the calmest guys I know, just stoic young men, individuals. It's shocking that they would get excited. There's no crazy pictures or footage of those guys jumping around. Um, seriously, though, <laughs> I mean, what they've done up there is really great. You know, they've got the enthusiasm there just at a different level from where it was. You know, and I think so it's just another example, right? Like you wrestle all the way to the end. Like, you know, we, people like us, like I don't even look at who wins duels. Like I don't even, I couldn't even tell you who won the duels because all I'm looking at is 10 individual matches to see if it changes the rankings. I mean, and I, I've sort of always been that way. Even before I was doing rankings, I, I, I nerded out and liked that stuff. So, uh, but if you're a coach and you got a team buying in and you win a duel like that, 
a guy like Hilgard drop, dropping the hammer and stuff like that, that is unbelievable for your culture. And when you, you know, you have your, so it can be a, a game changer like that. So, I mean, that's a, a big match. I, I still think Mikey Labriola is really good. And I think you do too. So when we picked him as another guy that we thought would all American this year, and then Miles Amin just keeps, you know, he beat Cutler again, and he proves like he's right at the top of that one B tier behind Zahid and Hall. Like he's the best of the rest, I think for sure. Yeah, he keeps solidifying that position, and I'm sure he expects that he will be able to challenge those two, and we'll see. I'm sure he'll get his shot. But, you know, circling back to that tool, it's funny because you're right. Uh, a lot of us, especially those of us that are really hardcore into, you know, breaking down the results and, you know, tournament scoring and all that stuff, we kind of dismiss the dual results because ultimately, you know, it once we get to that tournament in March, who won the duel between these two teams doesn't matter. But where it does matter is, you know, especially in this day and age with social media, somebody that is a Wisconsin fan that, you know, knows they have a wrestling program, maybe has been to a match or two over the years or whatever, gets a tweet or sees on Facebook or gets an email from the SID that says, hey, we just beat this team, you know, on this great, exciting thing. And maybe now he's going to go to another match or two. Maybe he's going to support the program a little more. You get those casual fans, those tangentially related fans that are maybe more a fan of the school than the sport. That's how you get those interested. And that's what Bono did a great job of that at South Dakota State, really got the community behind him. And he's just picking up right where he left off with Wisconsin. So that's great to see. Um, you know, they've got a good tradition there. So having that program built back up, I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't that far down to begin with, but to see them building it back up like they are, that's great to see. I'm not even sure they're going to do better. I just think they're going to be more excited about it. Right. Yeah. Sometimes that's I mean, but you're right. The thing it, that we don't know that it affects is recruiting. Yeah. And if it affects recruiting, then it affects things. Right. For sure. Moving up to 184 pounds, uh, Cam Caffey's winning again. And I thought it was a really interesting note. He won the Navy Classic. Um, you know, didn't beat anybody that really stood out as far as just jumping out for the rankings, but another solid weekend for him. Uh, the note that stood out to me was Michigan State won the team title at the Navy Classic, mainly beat Indiana and Navy. Those were the two uh, biggest teams that brought all their guys. Uh, first tournament team title for the Spartans since December of 2013. So, you know, I think a lot of people have been – waiting to see how the new regime at Michigan State will do. It hasn't been really quick, immediate type progress, but they're starting to build a little bit, and Caffey's part of that. Caffey's a local kid from here. He went to uh, Carbondale. Um, tough kid, really tough, super talented. And I would tell you this. I think I told you this off air. I watch Michigan State guys probably – of all the schools that aren't the big, big schools in wrestling, I think those dudes wrestled the most matches this summer of anybody. I mean, like, and it was Caffey and Foley were everywhere. Right. Like, just everywhere. And usually when guys do that, that's when you get better, right? Like, if just nothing else, you get used to competing, you have footage of yourself, you know, you start being able to adjust. So this is not an accident. This isn't like they've had a good draw or something like those two kids, and Foley keeps moving up the rankings, too. We kind of skipped him at 25, but, you know, he's moved up from, like, 28th or something, and he was 22nd, and now he's up to 15. So, and he's a guy that I think you have to start looking at, could easily be in the round of 12, and once you're in the round of 12, you're a coin flip to be an All-American. So, and I feel like Caffey could get up in that level, too. I mean, just he just needs to keep wrestling guys, and and pick up wins, but he, he certainly has the talent to do it. And, uh, you know, I'm really, I'm happy for those guys at Michigan state. Uh, you know, they've been working hard and it's good to see results, you know, from that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they had, a, they had a long way to go. Michigan state was pretty far down uh, when they took over. So it's gotta be gratifying and that's always hard. You know, you get that far down, it's hard to get top level recruits. It's hard to, you know, even, keep the local guys, which Foley's a Michigan guy, so that's a good get. Um, and, you know, you, you talk about him. He had a lot of good wins last year. He just had too many uh, questionable losses, which hurt him in the rankings. But um, I think we all saw him as a guy that could go 
a lot higher this year. And so far he's doing that. So good for him. Moving up to 197 pounds. Um, you know, I think the after the first weekend of the season, we did a podcast and I said, Noah Adams was the best 0-1 guy in the country. Um, and that, that was after he had lost to Jacob Seeley in a match that I guarantee you uh, he thinks he should have won and that his coaches think he should have won. Uh, he made some some questionable mistakes against a veteran in Sealy and lost, but uh, that's one of only two losses for him on the year. The other one to Jake Jacobson of Lehigh. Uh, he beat Ben Honus this week, 13 to seven. And while I was looking up his results, I noticed in all the matches he's wrestled this year that have, that didn't end in a fall, he scored at least nine points except for one. And that was a win over Chris Weiler in overtime. Uh, but he is an offensive machine. He's scoring double digits most times. And that, that jives with what I saw in the Sealy match. You know, he wants to score a lot of points. And if you shore up a couple of things, suddenly you've got a guy doing what he did to Ben Honus, who is no slouch. Uh, so that was a really interesting result. Uh, what'd you make of it, David? Well, I mean, I think we need to, I need to probably keep an eye on Noah Smith and see if he needs to be added. I mean, it's, some of these guys at the bottom, it's kind of a jumble, right? Like there's just so much inconsistency down here. So it could, it could be any number of guys. Um, I think he's doing a, you know, obviously he's doing a good job and sometimes the coaching switch helps guys. So, uh, you know, we dropped uh, Chris Weiler cause he had taken a loss to Malik McDonald and I flip flop Brucky above Warner. I had Warner where, Cash Wilkie was from the year ago, which was one round further in the tournament, but then Warner sat against Brucky and the last time they wrestled, Brucky beat him head to head, so I flip-flopped seven and eight there. Um, other than that, you know, this weight is sort of the opposite of heavyweight where there wasn't a ton of movement. Yeah, and it looks like Warner is on the match notes for this weekend against Purdue, so hopefully we'll start getting to see him um, and his his rest from the junior world championships will, will be over hopefully soon. Um, but yeah, we'll move right up to 285 because there's plenty to talk about. Um, we'll get to Gable Stevenson in a moment, but first there was another Penn state wrestle off at the Keystone classic. Um, Anthony Kassar with a very impressive win over Nick Neville, seven to two, and then followed that up by beating Joey Goodhart, who's ranked from Drexel 11 to three in the finals. Um, I don't know how many people, expected Kassar to be able to just go heavyweight and be successful, but he looks great, David. It's, I think a lot of guys, like when I coached, I think you just, a lot of times at heavyweight, a lot of heavyweights drive you crazy, frankly, as a coach. And it's a lot easier just to get a 197 pounder who's good at something like can lift or like, I always look for tall guys that could ride legs or, or get cradles. Cause a lot of, you know, heavyweights, will come up lazy and tripod up and, you know, you could get a guy that could cradle him and they can hand fight and they can do an underhook. And I mean, you know, obviously that doesn't work against the best guys, but if you can't go get one of these hammers, I mean, Kassar is on the short list of guys that can make the finals this year. Like I, I think there's only about five or six guys that can make the finals. I think Stoll, Stevenson, Derek White, Kassar, Hamida, maybe Jared, Jordan Wood. I don't see anybody else making the finals and he's in that, list what's weird is we actually put Kassar in the rankings and there's two things that are fascinating about this one I have this little column on my spreadsheet that has like what they placed the year before next to Kassar's name I have JV which is is insultingly <laughs> sort of accurate but absolutely ridiculous and then the other thing is he actually dropped a spot from where Neville's was because you know, Derek White, you know, has sort of a bigger body of work at this weight class. So we had Stoll one, Gable Stevenson two after he beat White, White three and Kassar four. And then Yusuf Hamida is fifth, who just came off that silver medal. So, I mean, you know, there are some good heavyweight results this week. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to make of Kassar. You know, a guy with a history of shoulder problems going up to heavyweight, it doesn't sound like <laughs> success but as long as he's healthy he looked great this weekend and yeah I mean I'm, I'm with you he the sky's the limit right now because you know if he can beat Neville's like that and you know the Drexel heavyweight is no slouch I don't know who he can't beat um 
definitely Stevenson's on the list because we haven't seen him get beat yet in college. He beat Derek White. Um, I think the final was eight to two or eight to three. Early six point move for Gable. Uh, and then that was pretty much it for the match. You know, it's interesting. Um, I think both of us think Stevenson has a ton of offense, and he probably does. But I don't, so far, he doesn't look like a guy. And this has been the case in freestyle before, so it's not overly surprising. But, you know, he seems like a guy that is going to do what he needs to do to win. He's not going to put himself in a lot of danger. And that was that was on display on Sunday. He, you know, he was obviously in control of the match from early on with that big move. And Derek White wasn't able to threaten him. So that was all Stevenson needed to do was to win. Um, <laughs> you know, he's he's a very let's say confident young man and did a little Ali shuffle at times and celebrated quite a bit at the end of the match, which rubbed people, some people the wrong way, but he's that good. Um, so it's, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I don't know who's going to beat him. What do you think, David? Well, we both picked him to win nationals, right? Right. And we both thought Minnesota was crazy when they said they were going to redshirt him, right? Yeah, that was so surprising redshirt decision ever. Hey, Stevenson's coming out of redshirt. Yeah. You think? Yeah. Right. And Minnesota, by the way, went from 21 points to 19 points to 26 points the first three weeks to 44 this week, which jumped them, you know, to eighth, where, you know, before 26 the week before would have been like 19th. So, you know, you and me specifically walked through, well, how if they drug this out, he could be there seven years. Right. And, you know, now they've at least knocked one of those years off. So, uh, he's the best guy, right? Like, it doesn't mean he's going to win it, but he's the best guy. If you're the best guy, you know, you should wrestle, especially when they're probably giving him, if not a hundred percent scholarship, awfully close to it. Uh, you know, maybe he's got some Isaiah White in him where, you know, he doesn't always open up. And I mean, but at heavyweight too, you kind of learn, don't get underneath those guys. Like, I don't know who can who match style wise like Derek White. You kind of thought, okay, well he's athletic and maybe a little bigger, but Gable's just better. I mean, just a better skilled wrestler. Sam Stoll might give him problems, but Stoll I think is really just heavy footed. I think Gable's got really great feet for heavyweight, and I think he'll win that match. Kassar won't be heavy footed. You know, it'll be interesting to see if you got a guy who's a fifth year senior against a freshman, what the horsepower situation is there. I mean, I don't think Gable may not get challenged to like Kirk Fleet or Mason Paris or Elam or some of those guys come along and fill out. The other thing is the college scoring system will keep guys a lot closer to Gable than the high school or the international style will because, you know, Gable's not a big turner. Right. So, you know, in freestyle, he takes you down, pretends like he's going to try to gut wrench you, gets up, takes you down again. It's 2 and, you know, eventually catches a lace or something and it's 10-0 where, you know, in folk style, it's two to one, four to two, and then four to three. And then, you know, if you make one mistake, it's five to five. So he'll have closer matches just based on that. Yeah, I, I think Stoll's the really, that's the one I really want to see because I don't think, you know, you mentioned Derek White and Anthony Kassar are going to be, you know, they're not going to be slow-footed. They're really athletic and whatever, but I don't think you can beat Stevenson by out athletic and him out quicken him because he's all kinds of a great athlete and he's good. You know, he's got great technique. So I think stole with his different style, with the size, with the power, that's the kind of guy I think that could beat him. I don't know that, you know, obviously we saw white didn't have anything for him. Didn't really come close to scoring. I kind of see Kassar being the same way. He's going to go out there and attack, but I think he's going to play right into Stevenson's hands. Uh, so Stoll is the one for me that I think I want to see that match. And of course, who knows with Kassar and weird stuff happens. So, you know, who knows when Stevenson's going to take a loss, but I think Stoll is the one that I'm circling that match. I want to see that match. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I respect your opinion a ton and I think you're a really smart guy and you're usually right more often than, you know, I am about a lot of things, but I think Kassar is a more interesting matchup because I think, I don't know how Stoll's going to – I don't think he's going to throw Gable. I mean, I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he's just going to body lock him and just push him out of bounds like he does on everybody else, and he's not going to leg attack him. Yeah. So I think the only way he can beat him is – I think 
Stoll has the best chance to beat him in rideouts. You know, which I actually think the best guy, the guy with the best chance in the country to beat him is redshirting right now. And that's Tanner Hall. And you know, if Arizona State's listening, take Tanner Hall out of redshirt, <laughs> get him back in your lineup. You guys drop to twelve. You guys would probably move up to about fifth or sixth if Tanner Hall makes the finals. There's a, a sort of a logjam of, of schools between fifth through twelfth, all within. 14, 15 points, and Tanner Hall is worth 14 points. And, you know, then he goes, they go right to the, you know, that top of that echelon that's right below the big four. Yeah. It would be interesting to see. Um, you know, I, I, we really don't know what Kassar is going to, I mean, we saw him this weekend, and so we have some idea at heavyweight, but it'll be interesting to see him and Stevenson. I'll, of course, I will watch that match. But, you know, the last time we saw Stevenson get really beat where he didn't look like he had an answer was Adam Kuhn. And now, Sam Stoll is not Adam Kuhn, but he has a similar ability to lock somebody up upper body. And, you know, you talk about he's not going to you know, lock him up upper body and back him out of bounds, but maybe he will. I don't know. And, you know, last time uh, when Derek last year, when Derek White and Stoll wrestled, White could get to the legs, but he couldn't finish. So Stevenson's better than White, obviously. Um, and he knows a little bit more about how to play around because he's had to deal with it on the international level of size discrepancy at times. So I think he's better prepared to handle it. And obviously he's just a better wrestler, but I'm really interested to see what Stoll had. Uh, Of course, we haven't seen Stoll this year, so we don't know, but uh, hopefully he'll be healthy and Stevenson will be healthy and we'll get to see that match and we'll find out. But yeah, I mean, we never know because weird things happen, but um, the undefeated season is is on the table for Stevenson. Um, You know who would have been an interesting matchup is Neville's. Yeah. You know, because he's sort of got he's sort of in between those guys, right? Like he's not quite as fast as Kassar or White, but he's bigger. Right. And he's not as big as Stoll, but he's got better feet. Right. So. Well, you know, it's it's not impossible that you know because Neville's has has had an injury and was working his way back a little bit, so it's not out of the realm of possibility that that battle is not settled yet. I mean, Kassar looked so much better than Neville's, but maybe that wasn't the best for Neville's. So we'll have to see. Alex, we all know that whatever happens in, in November always holds over all the way to March. Absolutely. So that is a true true wrestling axiom. Um, we might as well just write it, write the rankings in stone and be done with it. Why would why would we wrestle the matches, right? Well, why do a Google document? Chalk <laughs> them up, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned Minnesota is cracking the top 10. I think that's really the highlight from the team scores this week. Um, if you haven't checked them out, Penn State is still out in front with Ohio State second, Iowa third, Oklahoma State fourth. Um, NC State is fifth, Michigan sixth, Missouri seventh, Minnesota eighth, Cornell ninth. And we have a tie for tenth between Nebraska and Northern Iowa. Um, You know, you pointed out before we came on the air that Nebraska really sliding the wrong way, but they have time to rectify that. So uh, we'll have to see how it goes. Uh, Who's been the biggest surprise for you so far this, this season as a team? I guess Nebraska, I, I, you know, like I'm, cause I mean, Minnesota jumped a bunch of points, but it's basically two things, right? Like we had to watch Gable wrestle a match before we could rank him where we knew he should be. And Mitch McKee beat Kate Brock, you know, so that's not a surprise. Nebraska, you know, Isaiah White losing, Chad Red losing, Zeke Moise losing, all three of those guys losing, multiple matches to unranked guys. If you had told me that parlay, I would never have bet that, you know? So um, that's, that's probably my biggest surprise. I just, you know, I mean, but a lot of the rankings of, you know, the team points are a lot of teams are within one, two, three points where they started. So, I mean, but like, this is the calm, right? Like the first couple of weeks we joke are kind of a mess. This next week, this weekend coming up, like there's only six meets, so nothing's probably going to happen. And then CKLV will be a complete disaster for rankings. And then you'll have, you know, kind of a calm with the finals and the school finals. And then you're going to have South Beach, Midlands, Scuffle, and David pulls out whatever hair he hasn't already cut. That's always like the worst. Yeah, I mean, I get, that's when you just want to check in, you know, check in and get some mental help because it's just, that's where it gets really crazy. And then, you know, 
at least this year there's not the spaghetti duel, so those two schools will be somewhere because that, you know, you, what you want to have are many common results, even if it's a mess, to at least try to sort it out correctly. Yeah, and of course, you know, you describe it as a terrible thing, and I totally understand where you're coming from, having done rankings before, but it's the best as a wrestling fan. We get to see all these guys. We get to see them all battle against each other. Uh, you know, it's the best thing we have until the conference tournaments. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't mean to come – as a fan, it's awesome. Right. It's just as a fan, you get to watch it, and then you go, I wonder where those dudes are going to be ranked. <laughs> and Right? Or like, well, this guy's got to go up, and then – you know, that's where you start shifting like, well, does it does a December after Christmas result, how much more does it mean than a first weekend in November result? Right. You know, and that's the that's where this becomes an art and not a science. <laughs> that is for sure. Uh David, why don't you tell us one more time who the rankings are presented by? My guy, Paul Gilbert at Resolite. They're bringing us bringing you this podcast for there's your one source for both classic and lightweight mats from their zip mat, the first and only tape free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system to their exclusive DigiPrint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. That's easy for you to say. <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, David, you got anything else to talk about this week, or are we going into Thanksgiving getting fat and happy? Thanksgiving. Uh, just God bless everybody that listened. I was at the tournament Saturday, Alex, and a guy walks up to me and says, are you David Maricatani? I said, yes, sir. He shook my hand, said, love, what, love listening to your podcast, love listening to you and, and Andy and Alex. So it's cool to bump into people like that. I mean, I wouldn't call them fans or just wrestling fans. They're not fans of us, but – appreciate everybody that reaches out like that and you know wrestling's meant so much to, to people like you and me in our lives to be able to talk about it and comment on it and, and and watch it sort of from a professional point of view is really really fun i'll second that i love doing this every week it's a lot of fun and i just if anybody's getting anything out of it which it sounds like some people are great i'm glad to add to the wrestling community any way i can so a uh, ton of fun to have and we'll get it, we'll get back after it next week. Um, a little CKLV preview and whatever happens this weekend, hopefully it won't be too hard on you. So you get, get a week off from tearing the rankings apart. All right, my brother, happy Thanksgiving, man. I'm, I'm, this has been a real pleasure doing this with you and, and we'll do a lot more to come for sure. Sounds good for track wrestling, David Mirkatani and Alex Steen. We're signing off. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs>